0: I'm Alan Watson. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 8th, 2009. Newcomers, as always, I suggest you go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and uh, scroll down. Bookmark all the other sites I have up there for future use because I do get problems once in a while with the big servers. And if you find sticking to when you're downloading from the com site. Take one of these alternate sites because you might get through quicker. Everyone goes into the com at the same time, and that causes some problems. And these are the only official sites I have up. So I'm responsible for. There's cutting through dot com there's cutting through the matrix Alan Watt cutting through the and Alan Watt sentient Sentinel dot eu. And the last one is a European site, has all the same audios for download, but it has the addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given in the past We can download for prints up, and they're in the various languages of Europe. Take your pick. You are the listeners who bring me to you. I always tell the public out there, no one backs me except the listeners themselves. I'm not promoting any particular agenda. I'm not promoting any politics. I'm not pr- uh, being backed by a foundation or having a foundation or as NGOs covertly back me either because that happens with a lot of them too. So you keep me going by purchasing the things I have for sale at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, the books, CDs and so on. And I don't sell anything else apart from that. And it's up to you to keep me going by donating or purchasing these particular items. You can pay by personal check from the US to Canada Or from the US you can also use an international postal money order from the post office if you don't like the banks and that works like a bank draft really it's paid in advance so there's no problems cashing it in the Canadian side or you can use PayPal outside the Americas you can use MoneyGram Western Union or PayPal or cash it's up to yourselves how you want to do it and for those who just get the discs burned and passed to them, lots of them don't uh, use computers out there, but they get discs passed at meetings and talks, you can write to me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, dare which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. Postal code is P as in Peter, 3, E as in Elizabeth, 4, N as in Nora, 1. P-3-E-4-N-1 and that'll get through to me now you have to bear with me too this, these last few weeks I've been getting my speed on the internet cut back deliberately by ExploreNet uh, I'm paying for a higher speed and it'll cut me back to probably less than the lower speed and it takes me sometimes two days to upload one night show that's how slow it is now and it keeps, um, it keeps breaking as you're uploading so you just start from scratch again with the satellite type of uploads. Uh, therefore, it's really, really time-consuming. But this is the sort of hassle you get when you're not authorized to be out there and you don't have any, any big boys backing you at all. The real world works by this kind of harassment. Nothing you take to court and prove. They suddenly come out with their documentation. Oh, it, it could have been equipment, it could have been... Um, uh, Different departments with an explore net that's not communicating to each other, etc., etc., and all that rubbish, and they play that for years. So you can't take this kind of stuff to court. But you know, because of the frequency of the hassles you get either through telephone, and I've had all that in the past, or through the the servers, and through Yahoo as well, that this a deliberate policy. That's how they really get to you. But we'll carry on regardless. Back with more after this break. Cutting through the matrix. Over the years, I think every country in the Western world has seen its rights gradually chipped away, its basic constitution shredded to pieces uh, for those countries that had constitutions. And what the Germany used at the time was high courts. The high courts and different courts would make verdicts, and that became law, and it circumvented Uh, the common laws and the constitutions and rights of the people by doing so step by step by step because we live in an incremental agenda where people at the top who are never mentioned in the media uh, control it all and we see the same thing happening with the government institutions as they call them now institution very interesting term because there's, there's a quasi legality to it we don't vote in institutions They're kind of appointed by governments, and we appoint agencies and so on. Governments have been outsourcing so much from World War II, basically, that it's really run, in a sense, by these outside agencies, sometimes tied at the hip, sometimes apparent within parliaments or Congress, but uh, very often simply remote. They just give out little decrees like royalty and uh, bypass any debates in a parliamentary-type style. Or setting and I've said before I don't care if God himself came down and exposed the global warming scam as a fraud that it is and it's a fraud with a good purpose because the purpose is to dominate the world and bring in a socialized world system very akin to an upgraded communist system basically with where a tiny minority of the public or not the public really an elite run riot over the public live off the public like royalty the standards of royalty well the people below them are kept going to suffer sacrifice for the good of all that's how it always is presented to the to the worker bees at the bottom and we know this whole con game with global warming is, is simply that it's a substitute it's also a new economy you see where you really pass nothing around except um, blips on computer screens to do with carbon uh, outputs and trading. but a great thing. And in, in the old days, you know, when they used gold uh, to finance currency and even to back up uh, paper money, fiat money, uh, they used to ship it across seas, and often they'd lose it in a storm, that kind of stuff, or be robbed by pirates who often returned it to the banker that, sold, that uh, sent it in the first place. had all these deals going with them, you see. And this is even better than that. They went on to paper currency with nothing to back it. And then they went on to electronic money, basically, which is just blips on a computer screen. And now we're going into the CO2 trading. Now, they don't can up the CO2 and ship it across to so-and-so when you buy carbon credits, you see. That's not happening. It's a great scam. It's a fantastic scam. It's better than fiat money. It's better. Because, as I say, you're not actually moving anything anywhere. It's a big con game. It's a gas man, as you used to say back in the hippie days. And it will work. And out of it, too, will come the derivative markets and the same problems we have with bubbles. This thing might be a gas bubble, you know, that no one can actually prick. And. Getting back to my original point on how agencies circumvent governments and institutions, often with the collusion of those in government at the same time. The article from Washington Post today, for instance, is on the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. It says it's preparing to regulate emissions in Congress's stead. Now, it says here, uh, the Obama administration moved closer Monday to issuing regulations on greenhouse gases, a step that would enable it to limit emissions across the economy, even if Congress does not pass climate legislation. So, in other words, you know, it's a done deal. We'll get it in this way or we'll get it in that way. The move, which coincided with the first day of the International Climate Summit in Copenhagen, seemed time to reassure delegates... There that the United States is committed to reducing its emissions, even if domestic legislation remains bogged down. But it provoked condemnation from key Republicans and from U.S. business groups, which vowed to tie up any regulations in litigation. In Monday's much-anticipated announcement, the EPA said that six gases, including carbon dioxide and methane, pose a danger to the environment and the health of americans these are the guys that say it's okay to drink radioactive water <laughs> and, and stuff with arsenic in it too you know yeah. so shouldn't surprise us since everyone's a farce isn't it and it says here um and the agency would start withdrawing or drawing up regulations to reduce those emissions of you know the gases six gases so they're, they're not just stuffing with one they've got six now you see These are reasonable, common-sense steps, says EPA Administrator Lisa P. Jackson, adding they would protect the environment without placing an undue burden on the businesses that make up the better part of our economy. At the same time, however, EPA regulation is no one's preferred outcome, not even the EPA's. Jackson said her agency and other administration officials would still prefer if Congress acted before they did. That's kind of like the gun-to-your-head idea, isn't it? Well, isn't it? Since when did agencies start threatening the government and getting away with it? Hmm? Then it goes on about uh, Senator John F. Kerry, a leading proponent of a Senate climate bill, issued a statement after the EPA's announcement saying the message to Congress is crystal clear get moving, he says. Well, he gave a speech to Yale University, and by God, do you think he's a fanatic? Uh, you know, I'll tell you. <laughs> you haven't seen nothing yet of all these uh, really the only word for, for them is the old lefty communists basically which I don't think disappeared at all I think they moved into their next phase for global socialism as I said they would in fact but uh, nothing surprising in this day and age is it? nothing surprising on the Times online December the 7th it says climate gate at centre stage as Copenhagen opens now, remember, too, this is all the big uh, foundations that have got their front NGOs there at the moment, before all the big polit- politicians and politicos come in. And they set up the roundtable societies under the of International Affairs and CFR. And they hammer out ways to get all these things presented to the politicians when they come in the door, even though, remember, they already signed the major bill six months ago at the World Business Meeting under the United Nations. But they have to find ways to implement that and all these uh, thousands of NGOs are all financed by the big foundations to go over there and they also get grants from governments too by the way because governments like to hear the crowds demanding exactly what they want them to demand <laughs> so much for democracy eh? it's just a joke but anyway it says here the climate gate Rao took centre stage on the opening day of the Copenhagen climate summit today as the world's leading oil exporter intervened to ask uh, questions or to question a scientific consensus on man-made global warming, as 15,000 delegates from 192 nations began what was billed as the last best chance to avert a catastrophic rise in sea and air temperatures after, after the flu outbreak, Saudi Arabia's chief climate negotiator, Mohammed al-Saban, spoke from the floor to say that emails hacked from a UK research centre had shaken trust. In the work of scientists. It's amazing, it's amazing, you know, it should be shaking the trust all over the place, but it shows you how everything's controlled across the Western world, isn't it? He was not the first to mention the Climate Gate scandal. In his opening address to the conference, Rajendra Pachuri, chairman of the Nobel Prize winning Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, said the hackers had been trying to undermine the work of his organization. Well, generally, scientific data is open to all the scientific community for critical analysis it's not undermining it's called critical analysis to ensure that that all the founding facts as are presented are accurate when you build this monster on top of it, if it's fake bogus statistics or facts to start with then there are no facts at all and the whole tower should really crumble down So that's what they're saying. Oh, it's it's really an attempt to undermine the work of his organisation. But he said that the science as presented in IPCC's last assessment report two years ago was clear and incontrovertible and covered water shortages and rising sea levels. They've been harping on about these rising sea levels since I was a child. And it hasn't happened yet. In fact, you know, they've been building holiday resorts and lots of Pacific Islands and different places, right on the shores now, because it hasn't happened. I read an article about that not so long ago on the air. It's amazing, isn't it? But they keep harping on and harping Here's here's a quote, I keep quoting this from Bertrand Russell, a big player in all of this, because he knew you could convince the public of anything, and he worked for the big foundations in his time. He said, and he was a top socialist too, he wanted to complete totalitarian type system across the world he says there's no nonsense so arrant that it cannot be made the creed, the belief of the vast majority by adequate government action that's what he said and all he uses is repetition repetition, repetition of lies lies, lies, repeated lies until they, they just hammer you down to the earth with it Lie after lie. It doesn't matter what the facts are. Lies are good enough for them in repetition. You see? But he said that the science is presented, as it says, uh, he he claims it cannot be disputed. And uh, according to him, the the rising sea levels are still going on. He obviously hasn't visited those islands and so on. Given the wide-ranging nature of change that is likely to be taken in hand, some naturally find it inconvenient to accept its inevitability Dr. Panchuri said. The recent incident of stealing the emails of scientists at the University of East Anglia shows that some would go to the extent of carrying out illegal acts, perhaps an attempt to discredit the IPCC, who discredited every other scientist who reputed the crap they were coming out with. Back with more after this break. Cutting through the matrix. Some years ago, people like George Orwell talked about the coming system. And of course, we know that Aldous Huxley did too long before, even in the 30s, when he was putting out Brave New Worlds, uh, a vision of the future, basically. He belonged to a very elite group in Britain who wanted world socialism of course do you understand as Orwell said uh, some are more equal than others in such utopias Uh, people like the Huxleys who were related to the Darwin's uh, interbred of course as the Darwin's were themselves to the Wedgwoods and whose descendants are still running Parliament in Britain under the Bens. regardless they they said that uh, they themselves of course would lead the world they wouldn't change themselves Uh, to to steer the world they'd have to keep their faculties and still be wild in a sense the wild man has his ability for self-preservation and make decisions that would mean life life or death in very quick instances very fast instances so anyway uh, Huxley talked about his brave new worlds and how they could through genetic manipulations create different kinds of workers different strata of workers for different functions all that kind of stuff and he got it all from the big think tanks, which he was involved in, that were comprised of scientists from Cambridge, Oxford, and other places. That's where it was coming from. It wasn't some idea that he came up with himself. And back in the 30s, they knew this was feasible to bring in this kind of world system. And in Orwell, in his book 1984, he understood the, the Huxleys. He knew the Huxleys. He knew all these people. He knew where they were coming from. He'd been recruited into the same group from Cambridge to help all these types of people. He understood the agenda, and he turned against it. And all the socialists uh, and all the socialist meetings that he used to attend and speak at turned around. They turned their backs on him immediately. That's how they are. They, they shun you immediately when you're not parroting the, the, the proper slogans. And he, turned, and he told the public what they were really all about. But what he said in 1984 was when the main character winston was talking about the the being the ordinary people the ordinary people and democracies let's call it democracies the ordinary people um they would overcome all this and the managerial class the bureaucratic class the expert class you see uh, always dismissed it throughout the book they said, oh no, he says, the, the proles don't count it doesn't really matter what the proles thought the proles don't count and remember that getting back to Bertrand Russell Lord Bertrand Russell who wanted world communistic socialism with his own class running it all at the top um, said that um, they could bring that system in a form of world socialism and bypass public opinion by having an expert class for everything and experts then would would replace the public's attitudes or demands the experts would tell the public what they wanted or needed and that has happened we live in this age now experts on everything and they con us left, right and centre same as the flu shots all these experts, all the mainstream media we're all going to die, we're all going to die oh pharma, save us here, take these billions of dollars and as soon as they've got the money it dies off just like that con time after time and they'll do the same the next time and the next time but it gets back to public opinion and, and the pros don't count I've said this over and over And this is from, I think, the 4th of December 2009. It's from the Council on Foreign Relations. Now, the Council on Foreign Relations is the American branch of the Royal Institute on International Affairs, a private organization, above democracy, by the way, It doesn't really believe in democracy, never did, set up by the founders Cecil Rhodes and Rothschilds the bankers with the other bankers Lord Milner and others and they became they're all issued for international affairs CFR on the other side of the Atlantic and this article at their website on Council on Foreign Relations it says does public opinion matter that's how brazen it all is now does it matter what you think World Attitudes on Global Governance. And the speaker was Stuart M. Patrick, who's a senior fellow and director, International Institutions on Global Governance Programme, Council on Foreign Relations. Yep, the Council on Foreign Relations, this private foundational body uh, that that pretends it doesn't interfere in politics, but runs it all, uh, is part of this whole thing they they know the general public don't count and they've they've already got a massive organisation set up within it of their own experts and propagandists to bring in global governance They've, they've had it up there for years and they go through the speech and so on and they talk about all the polls they constantly take with the US and different countries and it boils down to the fact they're absolutely confident now from the polls they're getting in that most people in the world are ready for global governance. They don't really care as long as it brings in world peace. You know that communist term, world peace, was lack of all opposition, especially people who think. And they give you all the quotes in this particular site, their website itself. Don't do these projects for nothing. It's to bolster their own work. See, see, we're on track. Everything's working. On time, on cue. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Alan Watt, And this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Reading from a, a website, in fact, from the Council on Foreign Relations, about their polling of different peoples, and they claim that people are pretty well ready to accept global governance, as they call it. The same term they used for the European Union, governance. And the European Union, of course, has turned into this dictatorial body where people at the top in secret meet in secret and lay down the laws, and you can't contradict them. In fact, one of the leaders said it was heresy, heresy for anybody to to contradict or complain about the, the European Parliament. But what do you expect in totalitarian systems? They always come out and say it's for the good of all. We all have to sacrifice together for the common good, and then you end up getting dominated by this tiny minority that lives intergenerationally on the backs of the rest of you for as long as they have the system underway until they've reaped and pillaged the whole darn nation. So back to the Council on Foreign Relations. And remember, that was set up by the big banking system, the international money lenders, guys who Professor Carl Quigley actually said uh, not only financed the wars, they planned the wars, the major wars, every single one since the late 1800s and he was the historian for them he got this from their own records and he was all for it and their idea because he was an elitist himself belie- believing academia would be exempt from all the poverty that the rest of the people would be subjected to under such utopias so this article here is going on about global governance and their poll taking uh, on the countries that they tested out on uh, they said they said here we found it says if I can give you some of the headline findings, one of the striking things we found is just how similar many publics around the world are in terms of the sort of world order. Now, listen to this, that they want. Have any of you ever, ever, ever been asked to be involved or give your opinion on a, a world order and, and what you think about it or what you want? Have you? No, of course not. Because I me say they're extremely multilaterally inclined they believe in a world order based on international law. And that's what the UN's all about. They always say, under law, under law. Well, no one ever says, explain this law to us. You see? And they, they go gone to say that all countries should obey international law, even if it goes against their national interests. Have you been asked about that? Have you? Of course not. Of course not. Because, see, this is someone speaking to their choir. Everybody in there has to be asked and after they've vetted you and watched you for years, make sure you have the right background, you've been involved in the right causes, generally hereditary ones as well, and you belong to the right families too, is a very important thing, because these guys are snobs at the top under the guise of collectivism. Then they go on to suggest that the United States would, would... would uh, go along with it and be even the bedrock of an international order so that's the kind of rubbish they teach to their followers the rah-rah team but the public are never uh, never ever considered you never get a referendum on anything what do you think Uh, especially don't you think you should have a plebeian vote Where something so major as anything at all to do with you or your livelihood you should get a vote on it of course they don't want that. They wouldn't even give that to most of the European countries to do with that uh, agreement assigned supposedly and went rammed down them, especially the last one, Ireland, to go along with the European Union and its new charter. Now here's what's happened to, to Britain, for instance, that literally was lied along for years and years, lied along with this, uh, this trading consortium of Europe that turned into a European parliament as it was intended to do from the very beginning everybody at the top knew it except ordinary people what people in Europe would say you have to sort of give up your sovereignty you have to get this multicultural idea too and stop being who you are toss it out the window thousands of years toss it out the window and uh, and conform to the kind of new system that we're, we're, we're giving you or else Here's what happened Britain. This is, a, this is from the, the Telegraph. It's a return to the Star Chamber. The Star Chamber is when the king sat with four advisors and tried uh, all things in secret. The GATT Treaty is done the same way. The General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs has set up a, um, a, basically a court, and whatever they decide within that sealed court never gets leaked out to the public, and it's, it's, it's God's law to them. It's God's law. It cannot be questioned. There's no appeals, nothing. That's it. They decide who gets to trade with whom across the planet. Of course, it keeps all the little guys out. Nothing changes in history, really. Nothing really. The chameleon can always change its color under a new cause. But it says here, it's a return to the star Chambers. Europe finally tramples the Magna Carta into the dust. If you have a spare evening, read the Magna Carta. It's a restraining document. What leaps out from the pages of Langton's text is the intent to protect subjects from overweening authority in this case norman french despotism by restoring ancient freedoms that was december the 6 2009 he says, it says um, i had a copy left to me by my father and to him by his father the customary law is saxon celtic even visigoth all men it says in our kingdom have and hold the aforesaid liberties and rights well and in peace, freely and quietly, fully and wholly, forever. Forever. You know, New World Orders don't like that term, forever. They really don't like that at all. That would kind of hold back the agenda. It says here no free man should be taken or imprisoned or outlawed or exiled or in any way destroyed unless by lawful judgment of his peers. His peers. Right? His peers. No constable or bailiff shall take another man's corn or shattles without immediate payment, nor take any horses or any man's timber for castles, because that's what they used to do. Now they just grab it all for back taxes, for land taxes, property taxes, or other kind of taxes, or because your septic tank isn't up to snuff with the new laws that come from the United Nations. Just grab it all. Same thing. Same thing happens. <laughs> He says anyone may leave the kingdom and return at will unless in time of war when he may be restrained for some short space for the common good it he says here's a nice one as a square mile falls under the control of the economic union authorities the parliament of europe with binding powers he says here the city of london shall have all its ancient liberties and free customs merchants should be free from evil tolls and tariffs and stuff The founding texts of the English Constitution, Charter, Petition, Bill of Rights, have one theme in common. They create nothing. They simply assert old freedoms. They restore lost harmony, and this they guided America's revolution, itself a codification of early colonial liberties. Europe's constitution, the Lisbon Treaty as we know it, began as a sort of Magna Carta, began as one. The EU leaders agreed at Leakin in 2001 that the project needed restraining after Danes and Swedes rejected the EMU, the Irish rejected Nice, and youth torched Gothenburg in an anti-EU riot. People do not want Europe inveigling its way into every nook and cranny of life, they said. Needless to say, inside hijacked. insiders hijacked the process. A Hegelian monstrosity emerged. The text says much about the heightened powers of EU bodies, but scarcely a word to restrain EU bailiffs and constables. The Charter of Fundamental Rights, legally binding in the UK as of Tuesday when the the Lisbon Treaty comes into force, asserts that the EU has the authority to circumscribe all freedoms and rights, ground all freedoms and rights, this new beautiful tyranny they have there. The text was modified after I threw a tantrum in a Daily Telegraph during the drafting process, comparing it to the General Interest Clause used by fascism regimes to crush dissent in the 1930s. Article 52 now reads, Subject to the principle of proportionality, limitations may be made only if they are necessary and genuinely meet objectives of general interest recognized by the Union. Don't be misled by this inverted wording. What it states is that the EU may indeed limit rights in the general interest. In other words, our Magna Carta has been superseded. It's European courts, the ECJ, that decides what is proportional or necessary, and it cannot be trusted. The ECJ behaves like the Star Chamber of Charles I, as I learned following three cases where it rubber stamped the abuse of state power against whistleblowers, Bernard. Connolly and Marta Andreasen, the German journalist Hans Martin Tillack. M-M-Tillack, Mr. Tillack was arrested by Belgian police and held in an incommunicado for 10 hours, incommunicado on the basis of a fabricated allegation by two EU officials. I call him Gestapo or Stasi, who's it matter? Police went on through his notes and computers identifying his network of informants inside the EU, the EU apparatus. So anyone who's investigating the EU, this is what they do to you. It says, um, the basis of a fabricated uh, allegation, uh, it says, a ruled in favor of the system, it always does. Always does. So, you see, that's what the Americas to be under, too, with the unification of the Americas. First Europe, then the Americas, they're already working with the Pacific Rim groups have been working there since the 1930s according to the of International Affairs own website amalgamation 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 these are the regions that Karl Marx talked about in the 1800s the trading regions that all be previously known as different countries and then they would regionalize them give them a single parliament for each region and then the single parliament's would really be provincial parliaments under a world government system, which is, of course, at least the United Nations as it stands right now, and might morph into some new thing, with an all-seeing eye, no doubt, above it. This article here, too, is, is from Reuters, Thursday, December the 3rd, He says, the planet would be better off if the forthcoming Copenhagen climate change talks ended in collapse. Now, who's talking about this? Mr. Hansen of NASA. If you want a fervent nutter who's utterly dedicated to the agenda, where scientists should rule over the planet, this is the guy here. Remember, I talked about him a few days ago where he was arrested at different uh, uh, demonstrations, trying to close down mines and all the other means of alternate energy. He literally says that he doesn't want something to be the same as the, as the, Copen, the previous Copenhagen uh, agreement, because they drag their feet on it. He wants immediate action, totalitarian action, to save the world. And this article is, let say, from Reuters, December the 3rd, 2009. He says, any agreement likely to to emerge from negotiations would be so deeply flawed, said James Hansen. It would be better for future generations if we were to start again from scratch. I'd rather it not happen if people accept that as being the right track because it's a disaster track. Hansen, who heads NASA Goddard Institute for Space Studies in New York, told the Guardian newspaper. Now, don't you see how this this fanatical uh, politicization of agencies is not a very safe or or, a comfortable thing to have. You see that? Do you understand? NASA is supposed to be non-political. But the head of every organization that does anything at all over us, over us, I repeat, and literally in the case of NASA, uh, should not be politicized with its belief systems in a world socialist state with the priesthood of science handing out the law. And, and believe you me, if you want totalitarianism uh, in the most horrific way, as, as Bertrand Russell says, he says, uh, he says, I believe he says it'll be a scientific di- dictatorship. It will be, he says, absolutely murderous and completely intolerant. But Russell says, I, he says, I'd rather have that than any other kind of dictatorship. Well, this is the kind of character what I'm talking about here. This guy's a nutcase. You thought it was bad in, in Nazi Germany or, or, or the Soviet Union where millions were slaughtered. All totalitarian regimes are the same. All the same. And the scientific priesthood with all their fudge facts and figures will simply give them more power to slaughter. Two historical necessities, the communists called it. Slaughter millions of people to save the world, mind you. That's the mess we're in. That's the mess we're in. And it's so bad, you know, they've already got the children brainwashed in schools before the Copenhagen meeting, years before the Copenhagen meeting. People better wake up very, very fast before the horror really starts coming down. And it will. It'll come down in earnest. Especially when they start rationing food and all the other things they've got planned for you. Socialism is so wonderful so wonderful because again it's, it's, the, it's the greater the greater uh, good for the greatest amount of people as they push it if you're not amongst the greatest numbered and, uh, amount of people, tough luck it's like the shots that they give you now while you might be one in, one in, in a thousand that drops dead with it uh, we, we feel sorry for you but we can't dwell on these unfortunate incidences that's where they go on that's the same thing as Stalin saying, well, you know, uh, those Ukrainians are so self-sufficient. They even weave their own cloth, for God's sake. They, they don't want factories. We've got to teach them a lesson. And, but they're the main producer for the crops and food, uh, since we've killed all the farmers in, in Russia. So we've got to get all our grain from them. So what we'll do, we'll take all the grain from them as we starve them to death. And they starved over 7 million people to death by policy. And it was called the need for uh, historical necessity for history to continue on then it's historical necessity that's how it goes down in the books when they killed the thousands of the 8,000 to 10,000 Polish officers, the Soviets put it down to the same thing well, it's historical necessity if we let them live, my God, they'll go back in and contaminate people with all their old memories of how it used to be boom and that mindset is still way up there Right now, you'll meet a lot of them at Copenhagen. Here's what you get when you have socialism. I've read enough articles of what's happened in Britain, because now medicine is under political policy. Don't forget that. Politics, when it gets involved in anything, has a policy. A policy for that particular agency. This is Canada again. Yahoo News, and it was December the 4th. Nova Scotia man angry, hospital wouldn't help her father having a heart attack in the parking lot of the hospital. And this is by Alison Auld, the Canadian Press. An elderly woman with a cane and a heart condition was told to bring her husband into Nova Scotia hospital on her, on her own or call 911 in the car park after he suffered a heart attack 30 feet from the facility's front door. Back with more after this break. down on water cutting through the matrix just uh, showing americans what they're, they can look forward to once the socialized medicine comes in and by the way also the rand report on that because uh, the u.s um government asked rand to do a massive survey on bringing in this healthcare and where they can cut back all different kinds of care i might read that one now it's, it's just fascinating it's just like britain i think they copied britain completely but uh, Presently, this this article I'm reading now is from Yahoo News about a Nova Scotia man having a heart attack at less than 30 feet from the hospital door and they wouldn't wouldn't come out and get him in. They told the the, the daughter, the elderly daughter, who had a pacemaker herself, either bring him in herself or call the paramedics. The the paramedics were all based across the street. (laughs) All the vans there. Why? Because it's policy, you see. see. in a socialized country, everything, they have meetings for everything. And they talk just the, the same way they did in Britain about the, the policies. They don't have all these meetings, and everybody put in their little word, and that all be documented in the minutes and so on. And, and at the time it's finished, it's like some legalistic uh, maze that you can't make head nor tail off. That, that's what you get with uh, socialism, you see. You, you get, they can't say anything straightforwardly on anything. It's always pertaining to subsection two, paragraph, blah, blah, blah except in cases where blah 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 and it goes on like that you see so you stand outside a hospital and you die luckily this guy survived but no thanks to the hospital mind you they're lucky you have doctors there where I live here you can't get one you've walked in clinics you're faceless you see Your numbers, you're actually given a number when you walk in the door like a cow you can always it around your neck it's big enough like something at an auction block and they don't care who you are. They don't want to know who you are. If you're lucky, you see a doctor, that is, and you wait six or seven hours, and they stay in. No. sometimes they're called back to the hospital, and they tell you they want to come back tomorrow or the next day or the next day. You know, that's socialised medicine. Yeah. Canada spends as much on advertising how wonderful our medical medical system is as they do actually giving money into it. And I read an article about that not so long ago. That's socialism. It's all pretence and propaganda. Uh, Mark from Boston's on the line there. I'll see if I can take him. Are you there, Mark. Okay, I, I'll continue then. But uh, yeah, I do tend to go on, and, and an hour isn't very long enough at all to, to get so much out or get so much off your mind, you might say, because that's what this is, is: getting stuff off your mind, hoping someone will remember it long after I'm dead. Because that's what you have to do: is pass information on to the youth who are really could understand the incredible brainwashing they're under. Parents have to get in touch with them and realise the indoctrination they get is almost perfect. Perfect indoctrination. The same way as we saw little Disney shows with Bambi. And what did Bambi say? Oh, oh, the mum and dad of Bambi were going through the woods because they were scared. Why? Because man was hunting them. Man was bad. Well, they're getting taught the same stuff about how bad man is with environments bad man ruined the environment for the up-and-coming youth and it's their world you see and they use psychological techniques through all the little videos that they show them giving them a part par of every story but never all of any story to brainwash them into true up-and-coming green fanatics god help us all from hamish and myself Ontario, canada Yes, good night and your God or your gods go with you.